Welcome to the Born to be a Badass podcast, the show that tackles the subject of women and violence head on and shines the light of what women need to know and do to be safe. Here's your host, fourth degree black belt and self-protection expert, Cynthia Gillicourt. Welcome to the Born to be a Badass podcast. I'm your host, Cynthia Jolicoeur, and today I have the extraordinary pleasure of having on my show both of my daughters. I have my eldest daughter, Charlotte, calling in from Boston, Massachusetts, and my younger daughter, Katie, calling in from the spare room in my house. And we're going to have a little roundtable conversation about experiences that they've had and things that they've observed and ways that they have been dealing with strange, unusual, and sometimes dangerous situations in their own lives. So without any further delay, welcome Charlotte. Hello. And welcome Katie. Hey there. This is kind of a cool, cool experience. So I just, uh, I want to start off with kind of a fun question for you, just so you can get comfortable talking on the microphone and being recorded. So my first question for you is, and we'll do, let's do Charlotte and then Katie and then we'll flip flop. Charlotte, if you had any superpower that you wanted, what would it be? Ooh, I think the ability to read minds. And I say this because I think I'm already a pretty intuitive person, but being able to read minds would help me better understand people and I think make all around more effective life decisions and relate better to other people. Ooh, that's cool. That would be very handy from a self-defense perspective too. Yes, definitely. And Katie, what would you have if you could pick any superpower? I think I would choose invisibility because for one, I've always been obsessed with Violet from The Incredibles and she's super cool. But I think it would be really awesome to be able to just go anywhere and not have anyone bother me. <laughs> so that seems pretty enticing to me. Also very good from a self-defense perspective. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I have two very wise daughters. Uh, Katie, if you <laughs> were not a human being and you were an animal, what would you be? A jaguar, definitely. <laughs> they are beast animals. I saw a picture of a jaguar eating a crocodile. And I mean, what other animal can do that? That's just the strength and just, just badassness of a jaguar. I would definitely be one. I love that. <laughs> oh, that's great. And Charlotte, what kind of animal would you be if you weren't a human? I bet you could guess. A cheetah. It's a cheetah, yeah. Still a cat. Still a cat, but a big cat, but also kind of an anxious cat. But a really fast cat. Very sleek, confident, graceful. Big cat. And the reason... Sounds like you. Yeah, and yeah. the reason why I guess that is because way back when you were nine and you had to come up with a nickname for your... First degree black belt test, you were Charlotte the Cheetah. That's right. Yeah. In fact, I think I still have the poster somewhere. So that's pretty cool. I had no idea that both my daughters would be cats. 
Oh, that's awesome. Cats are the best. Yes, and we have a few between the three of us. Okay, so I want to dive in to some safety questions. And I think what I'd like to start with is like experiences that you each have had out in like clubs and bars and possibly even concerts because, well, Katie, you're a bartender, so you see things from one side. Charlotte, you have a pretty active social life in Boston, and I think you both have been out to bars and clubs as patrons, and you both have gone to concerts and things. So I'd, I'd like to know, let's start with Charlotte, and I'd, I'd just like to hear, like, what are some of the common behaviors that you see when you go into a space like that? And and what's on your mind in terms of personal safety when you go out? So I think to start, I'm not a huge fan of crowds in general, but I know that in going to a bar or a club or a concert, that's kind of part of the deal. So what I keep in mind is just a general awareness of the energy of the crowd. Um, I've been in situations where you can hear someone yell and then all of a sudden there's a fight and the whole crowd is hyped up and not a great place to be. So keeping tabs on just the overall energy of a venue, I think is one of the, the key things that I pay attention to anytime I'm entering a bar. I also, I, I'm sure part of this comes from stuff that I've learned from you, but I always like to know where my exits are, where the bathrooms are, and I tend to stick to the outside of the room. That's not to say like I I do go on the dance floor, I have fun, I have drinks, I go stand at the bar, but I'm always aware of where my back is and where other people are in relation to me. And I, I think in general too, I try to keep my senses about me so I never drink to the point where I don't know where I am or where my friends are or don't feel comfortable being in a public space oh there's some some good stuff there yeah thank you Katie what what do you think about when you go into a space like that like first as a patron and then I want to I want to pick your brain as a bartender on the other side of the bar well, for me as a patron, I basically I just like to stay aware of my surroundings, kind of like what Charlotte said, you know, keep tabs on the whole energy of the place. I like to focus more on identifying people who are acting differently than other people. Since I do work behind a bar, I kind of see the behaviors of people who are maybe not there with the right intentions, like ordering non-alcoholic drinks and standing in the corner and watching girls dance. I find that creepy. So I always like to identify possible people that I would want to stay away from. You know, it might be paranoid, but I would rather be just a little bit paranoid than unprepared. And I think I get that from you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And also one thing that I do now is I make friends with bartenders because if you make friends with people who work there, you can always go up 
to them and say, hey, this person is being weird. Can you keep an eye on them or something like that? And usually, you know, the bartenders want everyone to have a good time. So if they get the gist that someone's not acting right, they can alert security. They can keep an eye on those people and hopefully keep everyone safe. That's what I like to do. Um, and just, yeah, just be aware of your surroundings, you know, and part of that comes with, you know, not being too messed up from what you're doing there. Don't, don't be drinking too much than you can handle. I see that way too much in my line of work where people just get, they drink too much. They don't know when to stop. And then it's like their guard goes down. You can't identify what weird behavior is anymore. So yeah, I think it's just, you know, have that personal responsibility no, for yourself. That's a, that's great tips there, you know, and, and I think that insight into befriending the bartender and maybe even the bouncers, I suppose, is a great mm -hmm. thing that anybody can do. And, you know, it sounds like from your experience as a bartender, it's something that you're more than willing to do. Is that, do you think, because you're a woman or do you think the, the male bartenders are cool with that too? Oh, any kind of bartender should be cool with that. You know, I have had that happen on multiple occasions where a girl has come up to me, been like, hey, um, I'm going to sit here for a while because this guy is bothering me and I'm like oh which guy and she'll point him out and I'm like okay I will keep an eye on that person let me know if anything is going on so I can alert security or if I see something that I don't like in that person that she pointed out I will alert security immediately you know it's just like me trying to do my part and keep my eyes peeled you know I always watch for men who buy women drinks or, you know, I like to keep tabs on people because I know what it's like to be in that situation. So I think any bartender would be happy to do the same thing. Well, that's good to know then that your bartender can be a really good ally. Can you give an example of some of the people that you actually have called security on? Oh, yeah. Um, I think the most recent thing that happened, uh, was actually one of my coworkers, uh, she bless her heart. She's such a sweetie. She will pretty much do anything that someone asks her to. And one of the patrons at our bar asked her if he could get, you know, a photo with her. And she was like, Oh yeah, of course, you know, for the experience, cause she's a beautiful girl. Um, and she was nice enough to do that. And as soon as she walked around the bar, he grabbed her, started like groping her. And I, whew, oh gosh, I saw that. And I immediately went over there. I pushed him away from her. I snapped my fingers at the security. I was like, get over here. This guy needs to go. And sure enough, they just dragged him out. And she was... She was shaken. She was like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much for doing that. I would not have been able to do anything like that because, you know, I just want to be nice to people. And I was just like, no, you <laughs> no, 
I needed to do that because that was not okay. And so things like that, you know, when someone asks something of you with, you know, you have this perceived notion of what they're going to be doing, but they turn out to have a different agenda. And I saw it immediately. So that was one of the instances, I think the most recent one. Wow. That was pretty ballsy on his part. Yeah, he did it right in front of me. (laughs) I'm sure he didn't think that I would do anything because I'm a small, you know, trustworthy looking girl. So, but I I jumped right over there and pushed him away, yelled at him. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Charlotte, have you seen, you know, odd things, unusual things, things where you felt like you had to act when you were out? Yeah, I mean, I think it was actually at Katie's bar on New Year's a couple of years ago, two years ago, where I was walking through the crowd uh, on the way back from the bathroom or something. Uh, I was behind one of my friends, had another friend behind me, and someone walking by me the opposite direction, just as they walked by, grabbed my chest. And it happened so quickly that I didn't even see who it was. I turned around ready for a fight and they were already gone. And um, I think I remember mentioning this to Katie, but of course, because I didn't see who it was or what had happened, there wasn't really anything we could do. But I know that 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 kind of behavior has affected a bunch of my friends. I would say it happens almost every other time we go out. There's some sort of incident like that. And then I've also, I mean, like Katie mentioned, if you see someone just kind of awkwardly, creepily standing in the corner of a bar, just surveying people, that's behavior that makes me uncomfortable too. Um, There was one instance that I was at a bar down the street from my apartment at the time, a place where I knew the bartenders, I knew the guy that worked at the door, I was very comfortable there. And I saw somebody come in put their backpack down in a corner, go to the bathroom, get a drink, and then just go stand by their backpack just watching. And there weren't that many people in the bar, so his behavior definitely stood out. And eventually I think one of the staff went over and talked to him and he left, but he was just standing there watching. And I know that it wasn't just me that was uncomfortable with that behavior. Yeah, that is definitely questionable behavior. And, you know, I'm sure you would get a different vibe depending on on how the person is hanging out and standing, you know, what they look like. And there could have been a different person who came in, you know, dropped a backpack, went to the bathroom, grabbed a drink and was just kind of hanging out in the corner and looked totally harmless and didn't give you that uncomfortable feeling. You know, so I I think that you're your early yes. warning system was picking up on something and, and wouldn't have on, you know, with somebody else. Because the behavior of just people watching is not necessarily a bad behavior, but the context and the vibe that you get from them speaks volumes. Right. I mean, I, as I mentioned, I'm one of those people that sticks to the outskirts of the crowd. And I'm definitely a people watcher, big fan of people watching. So I have had the thought where I wonder if people are like, why is she there? What's she up to? But I know that the vibe that I give off is less harmful 
Um, and I've even had people come over to me and be like, I've just been watching you watch people all night and people come up to you and talk to you and you engage with them. And it seems like you're having a great time. So there is that vibe, that energy definitely makes a difference. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, since you brought it up, you know, with the gratuitous groping, uh, you know, and the fact that when you go out to a social place like a bar or a club, that is kind of a hunting ground. It seems to me to be a place where men, possibly predatory men, would like to go because their ideal targets hang out there, you know, young, attractive women. And it seems to me like that belief that it's okay to put your hands on another person's body with no consequences is probably a pretty common belief. What what do you suggest that women do either to prevent that or to deal with it when it happens? And, you know, I know in Charlotte, in your case, you it happened so fast and they were gone so quickly that you couldn't even tell who it was. But I'm curious, you know, what you think can be done about that? Yeah. So that actually brings to mind an experience that I had with one of my best friends, maybe three or four months ago where we were at a bar that we had been to many times before. It was maybe 10 o'clock at night, so it was still early. And we were sitting on a couch off to the side of the main bar, just the two of us, and this group of like eight or nine very, very drunk guys came over and sat on the other end of the couch. And at one point, one of them slid over and wrapped his arm around my friend and rested his head on her shoulder and just started asking her personal questions. What's your name? Why are you here? What do you do for work? And it was very obvious that he was not with it. And my friend very politely took his hand and moved his arm off her shoulder and said, don't touch me, which I thought was a very kind way of handling it. I don't think I would have been so nice. And my suspicions about my own reaction were confirmed when he later came up to me and he got close enough that I could tell he was going to try to touch me. And I looked him dead in the eye and I said, don't come any closer. Do not touch me. I don't want to talk to you. You need to leave right now. And eventually, because he kept doing this throughout the night, we did talk to one of the doormen, um, and he actually got kicked out of the bar. But I was proud of both of us for feeling comfortable enough to straight up say, do not touch me. That's not okay. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, to be able to set that boundary and say, okay, you've, you, you've already transgressed, so I'm just telling you to get the heck back. Don't do it again. Get away from me. Um, I'm curious, though, because neither one of you actually gave them an or else. Do you ever think about that when you set a boundary with somebody? You know, take your hands off of me or leave me alone or I will do something. No, I think when I had to address him that way, I just kind of assumed that the or else was I'm going to tell the staff here because they were there, they were watching, they were paying attention. Also, I think he was drunk enough that it did not matter what we were saying. It was more about our 
body language and our physically making him stay away from us. So there was an implied or else, which was, you're going to regret it. Yes. You you mentioned something that um, Katie and I, when we were talking about having this conversation that Katie brought up, which was, Katie, maybe you can speak to this a little bit more. It's, it's the idea of these guys coming up and asking lots of personal questions. And, you know, when you brought that up to me, my instant comment was, well, that's, that's like the predatory interview. That's the information gathering, intelligence gathering process for a potential predator. So can you speak a little bit to some of the experiences you've had and seen things that you've seen happening where guys have done that and come up and been kind of mining for information? Oh, yeah. I think that when this happens, men think that they are being charming or something along those lines, but really it's just so creepy. This has happened to me more times than I can count where a man will come up to me while I'm working, by the way, and start asking very personal questions like, where do you live? Oh, you live in this city. What part of the city? Or like, oh, do you go to this school then? Like stuff they're trying to get. It's very obvious they're trying to get information out of me. And my response has always been, why on earth would I tell you? Who are you? I don't know you. I'm not asking any questions about you. So why are you asking questions about me? And, you know, a lot of the time their response to that is like, oh, I'm just trying to get to know you. I think you're cute, blah, blah, blah. And I, my response to that is, well, thank you. I appreciate the compliment. I have a boyfriend. I'm not interested. I do not want to give you any information about myself. I'm sorry. What can I get you to drink? <laughs> or, you know, like, <laughs> you know, because I still want their money. But really, it's that digging for information that really gets to me because a lot of women will go along with it because they don't know how to respond. And I've seen this so many times. I've seen my, my sweet coworker go through this so many times. And I've had to talk to her afterwards and be like, do not give them anything. You don't have to. You can be nice and polite without offending them, but you can still turn the conversation away from yourself. You don't have to give them any personal information because what they're doing is actually very intrusive and I don't like it at all. I don't appreciate it and neither should you. So it happens a lot, but not everyone is willing to put people in their place, you know, and it seems harmless to some people, you know, like, oh, what's your name? Where do you live? Those kind of things. But really, you have to be able to identify when the line has been crossed, like when men ask, what's your last name? That's not a normal thing that you ask someone when you're out at a club. What's your last name? I've never, ever asked anyone that. <laughs> but it happens. So just be aware of those weird questions. And when they, when they get asked of you, 
don't don't give it to them. It's interesting because I think that as women, we are very conversational and we like to be open and friendly and trusting and tend to feel as though just because somebody asks a question that we should answer it. And I think often there's a little bit of fear that if we don't answer it, we'll be seen as being rude. Or if we just say, hey, you know, that's none of your business. They'll be like, well, God, why do you have to be such a bitch? And so you're touching on something really important, which is it could be completely harmless. I mean, the dude could could just be a harmless dude who's just trying to be friendly. And yet it might not be that. And so the safest thing is to not give out your personal information and to give yourself permission to not respond the way that they're hoping you will and run the risk of being called a bitch or being called rude or uptight or, you know, any of those labels that get slapped on us when we when we don't comply and we don't do what we're supposed to do because that's the safest thing. You know, the downside of doing that is just, that, you know, somebody's feelings might be hurt. But the downside to just going along with it and providing personal information could be really significant. And I don't think that it's being paranoid to say that, you know, this is personal information and, and I just don't give it out. I don't know you well enough to share that information. <laughs> just not going to answer. So I think what you're you're touching on is really, really important. Yeah. And one thing I do want to say is I am a very friendly person, especially when I'm at my job or when I go out. I will always, you know, conversate. I sit down at a bar. There's a dude next to me. We'll chat. But as soon as I hear one of those one of those questions that makes me uncomfortable or I'm just makes me think like, why are you asking me this? I will. I've learned now because it's happened enough times. I will tell them I'm like, hey, that question is creepy. Like I will straight up tell them why are you asking me that? Like, why do you want to know? Like, are you, are you going to follow me home later? Or, you know, like make them feel uncomfortable. You know, I would rather be rude than, you know, messed up later by this dude that follows me home or something. I would rather be rude in the moment and, you know, see his reaction. If he's extremely offended, if he's like, Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Then, you know, I know he was, you know, pretty harmless. He didn't mean to do that. But, you know, some some guys will laugh and just like walk away. And I'm just like, oh, OK, yeah, you were actually trying to be creepy. You know, so there's little tactics that I've learned <laughs> to kind of see what people's actual intentions are. And but it all starts with the conversation. So you know, yeah. don't be afraid to make them uncomfortable <laughs> either. Oh, I love that. Well, uh, I have some more questions about this because I have not been out clubbing or hanging out in bars in at least two decades. So y'all are my my source for like what's current and uh, modern. So I want to ask you a question about when you go out with friends, what are some of the dynamics when you go out in a group? And the reason I'm asking this is because I think that it is really important for women to look out for women. For if you go out with a group to watch out for each other 
And I'm curious, like, do you do that? Do you see that? What kind of recommendations do you have? And what are some of the things that can kind of put you at risk that maybe being in a group can help to mitigate? Well, for me, one thing that I, I would do if I was in a group going out beforehand, before you guys all get there, have a little chat about, you know, if this, then that have a little plan, like, Hey, I plan on meeting someone tonight. I might go home with them, but you know, like give them your, make sure all your friends have your phone number. Or if you see one of your friends is going to be going home with a guy, which is totally fine. It happens all the time. It doesn't matter. Make sure you get all the information you can ask where they're going, whose house they're going to get his phone number, something, you know, like there are so many things you can do as a friend for your friends while you're out. Even on Uber now, you can let your friends watch your Uber ride so they know you get home safe. Do that. That's the easiest thing you can do. If you're leaving your friend somewhere, have them, you know, give you that information or share your location with all your friends that night. So if anything happens, you all have something to know where each other are, something like that. You know, there's there's a lot of things you can do to communicate with your friends about if we split up this, if I decide to leave you guys this. There's a lot of things you can do. And I think it's really important to just have that talk before you go. Yeah, I completely agree with Katie on that, going in with a plan um, and an if this, then that sort of scenario thing. My friends and I have started sharing our locations with each other anytime we go out so we can see when the other person gets home or to wherever they're going. And we always, 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 no matter how many drinks you've had, how tired you are, text everybody when we get home. And that's just a thing that we have agreed upon, having been friends that have been going out for a few years together now. That's a thing that we all feel more comfortable doing and sharing with each other is just confirming, I'm good, I'm home, had a great night, I'll see you tomorrow. That's such a blindingly obvious thing to do. And I bet a lot of women don't even think to do something that simple. Yeah. It can feel a bit like overkill, I think, to some women. But the way that I see it is, you know, I want to tell these women I enjoyed going out with you tonight. I love you. And why not just send that text? Even, even if you all went to your own homes afterwards and that was the plan, just telling them that you're there and you're okay and you're glad that they are too. What a great idea. I, I love that. And I'm very glad you do that as your mama. Very glad you do that. So what about, well, I guess, Katie, I'm going to ask you, is there anything else you want to add to that, that idea of going out with friends and things that women should look out for when they're out with their friends, like other ways they can help keep each other safe? Yes, there are so many things I can think of. But one of the major things, I think, because I am behind the bar most of the time, I watch people, you know, I watch groups of girls come in, get absolutely wasted, lose each other, lose their phones, 
you know, just all this, all this stuff. So my suggestion, I guess, would be if you're out and if one of your friends is way more messed up than they should be, get them home. Don't, don't wait, you know, don't, don't be worried about ruining your night or, you know, something like, oh, she's too drunk. We'll just let her sleep it off on the couch in the corner. You know, I see that so much. And it's just absolutely crazy to me because what happens is all these girls who are less messed up leave their friend who is just beyond repair. And, you know, stuff can happen. I've seen guys try to talk to the most messed up friend. And, you know, I witnessed one time at my bar, this girl who I knew, she came with a, her, a group of friends and she was absolutely wasted at the end of the night. She stayed until the lights were on and everyone was leaving. And I saw this guy come up to her and, you know, act like he was helping her out. I know that he didn't know her because they came in separately. I pay attention and they, you know, sure. They might've like talked throughout the night or whatever, but she was beyond messed up and she couldn't, she could barely walk out. So he was helping her walk out. And I went over there and I said, Hey, do you know him? And she was, you know, like her eyes were closing. She was mumbling. And I was like, okay, dude, I'm going to need you to go back with your friends. You can leave the club. She is staying here with me and I'm getting her an Uber. You don't have to worry about her getting home. You don't have to worry about it. And he, you know, of course he was like, oh no, it's okay. I know her. I'm just going to help her get home. Nope. I'm sorry, buddy. That's not happening tonight. You go back with your friends. I got this, you know? So it's, I just wonder how many times I have not seen it. And that's happened where someone has just quietly intercepted this extremely drunk girl and helped her home. I'm using air quotes and who knows what happens after that. So just beware and watch, watch your friends, make sure they don't get that messed up because stuff like that happens and you all lose each other once you get too turned and nothing good comes of it. So just keep an eye on each other and make sure you guys are okay. Don't forget about one of your friends. I'm kind of sitting here with my chin on the desk thinking, how could you just go on with your merry evening and leave one of your friends there totally messed up and unprotected and vulnerable to whoever wanted to come along? Mind-boggling. So good for you for, for taking action. Yeah, that's what happens when, when you get too messed up, though. And it's, it's, it's hard to tell people not to get that drunk, but it does happen. So all I can say really is, you know, don't get so drunk where you can't control yourself. You aren't aware of things because if you lose a friend, you could lose that friend for forever or you know, a period of time that's, you know, not fun for them. So, yeah, the consequences yeah. of not paying attention and of putting your own fun ahead of your friend's safety could be really, really devastating. 
Charlotte, is there anything that you want to add to this subject of how women can look out for each other when they go out? Yeah, I I think it extends beyond your friend group too. Um, like I know if there were any situation where I could have done something to prevent harm from coming to another woman or another person in general, and I didn't do it, I think that guilt would haunt me. So there have been times where I've seen someone that I don't know looking not so great and like they can't take care of themselves. And I have tracked down their friend group and said, you need to look out for your friend. Um, I've gone on scavenger hunts basically for friends of my own that get a little too drunk and run off. So I think, I mean, I think Katie's right. It's, you know, keeping your head on your shoulders and not getting too drunk so that you can keep track of where your friends are. And if your fear is ruining the night, then your priorities might need a little readjustment. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you both for that. That's, that's so valuable to hear, you know, what your experiences have been and what you see, because I'm sure there's millions of other women who have seen similar experiences and maybe haven't taken action. And, you know, I just, I just want to encourage people to be courageous bystanders. And if you see something going on to take action, because, you know, like Charlotte's saying, the consequences, you know, you could feel really, really shitty if you read in the newspaper the next day that there was a girl missing or a girl found raped or murdered and you're like, Oh my gosh, I saw her. I saw her last night. So yeah. Thank you for, for taking the time on that particular topic. That's a really important one. This episode is being brought to you by the born to be a badass prep school, the premier self-protection course that teaches you everything you should have been taught about how to be safe in the world as you were growing up, but weren't. If you're like me, you were taught how to cross the street and how to swim, but probably heard very little, if anything at all, about the dangers you might encounter at work, in your relationships, or just out and about in the world. Maybe that's because your parents, like mine, didn't know what to teach you, or maybe it was just assumed that bad things might happen to other people, but not to you. This is the program I wish had existed when my own daughters were growing up. Heck, it's what I needed to learn and never had a clue about in my younger days. The Prep School is an online program where you will change your mindset and learn how to make the most of your innate abilities to protect yourself. You'll learn what to look for and how to recognize potential dangers, what to do in bad situations, and how to manage fear. You'll discover how to tap into your body's natural protective skills if you have to fight and how to deal with the aftermath of an incident. Not only is this a virtual program that you can do from anywhere at any time, you get lifetime access to the content, access to my private support group, and you get a gift certificate to use towards one of my live, hands-on training events that builds upon the prep school curriculum. Get yourself over to www.cynthiajolliker.com slash prep school to learn more, and to register for an upcoming session. As a listener to the Born to be a Badass podcast, you will save more than 60% on your enrollment by entering the code PODCAST when you register.
I'd like to move along yeah. a little bit and pick Charlotte's brain because Charlotte, you do something that Katie doesn't often do, which is you ride public transit back and forth quite a lot in Massachusetts and you work in a corporate environment. So I'd like to hear some of your insights and observations and tips for, for those environments. Absolutely. I would say so far I've been fairly lucky with the public transit situation in Boston. Um, I think part of that stems from I live in relatively decent areas where it's a lot of young professionals and I tend to really only take the train or a bus if it's during my morning or evening commute. So in that case, it's pretty much just a bunch of young professionals being shepherded to their jobs and then going home at the end of a long day. So the behavior on those trains and buses is very different than, say, the few times that I've taken the bus out into the middle of nowhere to go look in an apartment, for example, and it's been the middle of a day on a Tuesday when everybody else is at the office and it's just me and a bunch of less desirable people on the train who have nothing else to do with their day or don't know that they're on the train. That's That tends to be when the more uncomfortable people are there and present. Um, so I just try to avoid putting myself in those situations. But when I do have to do that, so for example, I was looking at apartments a few months ago and took a train that I had never taken before, almost all the way out of the city. I knew a friend who lived in the area that I was going to. So I texted her saying, hey, I'll be in the area. Not necessarily to say, let's meet up, but just I'm in the area. Is there anything I should know? And was texting her the whole time that I was there. And it wasn't actually the train ride there or back that made me feel unsafe. It was walking from the station to my destination and then back. And I actually had somebody, as I was walking from the apartment back to the train to go home, somebody pulled up in a car, jumped out of the car, and followed me for three blocks trying to get my attention. And that made me very uncomfortable just because that's scary behavior in the first place. But I was also somewhere that I was not familiar with. So I didn't exactly know where I was going. Only one or two people knew that I was there. I didn't know where I would run if I needed to run. And so in that case, I channeled my badass mother and I turned around and I said, what do you want? And he stopped and he said he just wanted to introduce himself because I was beautiful and how was my day going? To which I said, I'm doing great. I'm not interested. I'm running late. I got to go. Bye. And then I kept walking and he kept following me. But at that point, I felt perfectly comfortable just leaving, leaving the situation. I got on the train and I went home. So I would say... While there are some interesting characters on trains and buses, most of my experience dealing with people like that has been walking around the city. And I'm sure Katie can relate to that too. 
Oh yeah. Most definitely. I actually have had very similar situations happen multiple times where I have been walking and either someone has pulled up in their car, rolled down their windows, started sweet talking me or whatever they think they're doing. I don't think it's ever worked for any man and, you know, trying to get me in his car and, oh my gosh, like they were messing with the wrong person because I fortunately have my mother and I have learned that it is okay to be rude to people. And that's exactly what I do every time. I remember this one time in LA when I was living there, I would have to walk to school every day. It was about five blocks away from my apartment on a busy, you know, LA street. And there were so many characters just walking, walking there. I would get followed. I would get those people who thought they were being cool in their cars, pulling up and trying to give me a ride to class or something, or even just straight up pulling up and asking me how much, you know? And my response has always been, you know, F off. And, you know, I'm not afraid to be rude anymore. So I don't care if they're trying to be nice, but they should know that what they're doing is weird. And I don't appreciate it. And I don't think any woman does. So I take it upon myself to just give them that rudeness, you know? And another thing I want to say is the whole walking thing, walking in a city. I think it doesn't even matter where you are, any city, there's always those people. I recently uh, had a job where I was working downtown in the middle of a super busy city that has, you know, is notorious for the homeless people and the, you know, unsavory characters. Um, Not that homeless people are unsavory, but some of the ones in this area are definitely ones that you want to avoid. But I would get followed down dark streets because I work at night. I have to walk home at three o'clock in the morning. So I kind of, I started asking my coworkers to walk me home at night, you know, cause I trust them. I know them. And there have been a few times when even I have this man walking me home where people will still try to do something with me or to me. They follow us and like start cracking jokes like, Oh, as soon as he leaves, blah, blah, blah. Like just weird stuff. And I've just learned, you know, cross the street. Don't be afraid to cross the street multiple times just to make sure that people are following you because they will cross with you, you know, behind you. Keep crossing the street, you know, turn around like what Charlotte did and just confront them. Like, what are you doing? I see you. What is your plan here? I have a taser, you know, or I have pepper spray. I have you know, a machete in my backpack, you know, go crazy with it, scare them because they, they scare me. You know, I do not like walking to work, having someone think that they're being sneaky, you know, following me down this dark street, you know, by all these parking garages where I could easily be pulled into, no one would hear me, you know, stuff like that. So just 
act crazy, be rude, do anything. Just protect yourself because not everyone has those good intentions. So definitely a lot of experience with that. I love your point about acting crazy. I have sort of always adopted that mentality if I'm walking alone and feel uncomfortable is just out crazy the crazy. One friend of mine in particular, anytime she's walking, she lives in Brooklyn. So anytime she's walking down the street and feels unsafe or there's somebody following her, whatever she's carrying, be that her phone or a blender one time, I think was the best example. She'll just start talking to it like it's a person and acting as crazy as she possibly can. I'm not confident enough in my talking capabilities to do something like that. But if somebody addresses me, my natural response now is to just growl at them. And I find that behaviors like that are so unexpected and undesirable that it just nips it right in the bud and they'll leave you alone. I love that. I love that both of you do different things, but amazing things to let anybody who thinks that they're going to fuck with you know that they are going to bite off more than they can chew if they go after you. You do a great job of making yourselves very unattractive victims. Oh, yeah. One thing that I also do that's maybe, you know, a little less difficult to do, you know, if you're like self-conscious and you don't want to act like a total crazy person. I've done this so many times. Just get on your phone. Even if you don't call anyone, pretend you're talking on the phone because people are less likely to do anything to you if they know that someone else will hear it or hear a struggle or know that something happened to you in that moment because those people, they want time with you or, you know, they want to get away with it, right? So I will either, you know, if none of my friends pick up, I'll just say, screw it. And I'll just start talking to my phone like someone's on the other end. And I always drop in little lines where I'm like, hey, I'm going to be home in 30 minutes. So if I'm not there, you know, like, so say it loud. So people who may be following you will be like, ah, she has somewhere to be. If she doesn't show up, someone will know something's wrong. She's not the one that I should mess with. I like that too. The simplest thing. Yeah, I like that too. And and I imagine that when you're doing that, you know, we always caution women like not to be distracted by their phones and not to be texting, not to be talking and sort of tuning their surroundings out. And it sounds to me like what you're doing is, you know, using something as a prop while also demonstrating that you're very aware of what's going on around you. And I love that. I think that's a really powerful thing to do. So, wow, that's that's great. I, I was um, curious, you each have separately in the past mentioned something to me that I want to bring up and just get your, well, I'd like you to share it in this little roundtable because I think there were very good things to talk about. Let's see, let's go Katie first because this was most recent. Can you just talk a little bit, Katie, about the situation that you had last week when you were going in to pick up a paycheck late at night? Yeah. So this, this situation happened last week. I was picking up my last paycheck from my job downtown 
the one where I had to walk to and from, you know, home. And I did not have a good feeling about it for some reason. And I've learned that I should listen to my natural instincts. So instead of walking, I should mention that part of my walk to work was to go through this notorious homeless people park, just people sleeping under trees, you know, buying drugs in the park, all this crazy stuff going on. And it's so dark. I don't know why they don't have that many street lights up there. It's crazy to me. But that's part of my walk. And I was not feeling it that night. So what I did was I got in my car and I drove one block and parked on the street so I could, you know, at least be closer to my work. There's, there's no parking downtown. So, you know, I couldn't park that close, but I parked as close as I could. And as soon as I parked, I parked, well, I parked on the street that has absolutely no street lights for some reason. There's parking garages, alleyways. I was like, this isn't the greatest place, but it's close enough. As soon as I parked, I was getting my stuff ready, about to open my door, and I looked around, as I always do, because I like to be aware of my surroundings, and these two huge dudes, like absolutely ginormous, were walking by my car, talking, and one of them looked over, saw me, was looking at me, very obviously elbowed his friend who was talking, and he stopped talking, turned around, looked at me, and they both stopped and started talking while looking at me. And, you know, I was like, okay, well, that's weird. I'm just going to wait till they, you know, get farther down and then I'll get out of my car. And, you know, they walked a little bit more. Then one of them got on the phone, still looking at me and was talking. They were just acting super weird. Like at this point I was in my car and I was just staring at them like, what the heck are you looking at? <laughs> Can you leave me alone? I didn't say that, but I feel like I expressed it in my eyes and they kind of realized that I was very aware of their behavior. And so they kept walking, but you know, they would turn back and look at me and they kept talking and, but eventually they just kind of left and I was like, okay. It's safe. Got out of my car, went down the street, kept looking behind me to make sure that they, you know, didn't just turn around and start following me. And I walked to work. Yeah. What a crazy situation. But, you know, again, something I imagine that is not unique to you, you know, that thing of being in a place where you really had to go somewhere and the environment was not a good one. And, there was actually someone there, two someones in your case, that gave you that vibe of, oh man, this does not feel right. And you did the smart thing, which was to stay in the car. And I'm sure you thought about, you know, well, what am I going to do if? Did you, did you think about like, what am I going to do if they come back to the car? What am I going to do if they come and they try to open the door, or try to smash a window? Did you think about what you might do if they didn't just keep on going? Yes, I did think about that. One thing that crossed my mind was these guys are 
absolutely ginormous. They have huge muscles. If I get out of the car right now and they try something with me, I have no chance. I could try to fight them off. I could try to run away. I could try something, but there's no guarantee that it would work. These guys are humongous and they would be teaming up on me. I'm tiny. I don't have a lot of muscles. I, I know that I would probably be in trouble. So in my mind, what I thought of was get on the phone. I called one of my best friends. I just told her, hey, I'm walking down this street right now. I just need you to stay on the other end for a couple of minutes till I get to where I'm going, just in case. And she was like, okay, sure, I can do that. And we just, you know, chatted for a couple of minutes, got to the, you know, lighter part of the street where there's a bunch of stores and people are walking around, there's a bunch of people. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm good now. Thank you for doing that. But that was my plan, really, is to have someone on the other line listening. And, you know, because I, I feel pretty confident that people won't really do much if they know that you're like actively talking to someone. Because if I scream on the phone, you know, my friend would absolutely know what was going on and call the police immediately. So that was my plan. Did you have any thoughts of, you know, if they come towards the car, I'm going to set off the car alarm and lay on the horn? Or did you think about, well, I'm going to get 911 ready to go. So if they come close to the car, I can like already, you know, I can tell them I've got the police on the line or, you know, anything like that. Honestly, no, I didn't jump that far, but that is probably something good to think about. Um, I did also think about, they saw me in my car. They know which one is my car. They could wait for me to come back to my car. What do I do then? And, you know, I kind of stuck with my little plan of like being on the phone with my friend until I got to where I needed to be safely. Because at at that time, I did not have my taser with me. And pretty much all I had was my phone and my purse and my car keys. So I wasn't really well equipped to do anything. But I did think about that. And I kind of stuck with my first initial plan. And it worked out. But I think it might be good in the future to have, you know, several backup plans as well. Well, for future reference, you know, your car is also, your car can also be used as a weapon. You know, what went through my mind was, well, if I were sitting there and they actually turned around and came towards the car, like they were going to go for it anyway, I would most likely get myself out of that parking space and run them over. I wouldn't care if I ran over them. And I'm surprised that didn't occur to you because you did tell me about doing something similar to that a couple of years ago when you came out of work really late at night and forgot to lock your car doors. You want to just briefly tell us that one? Yeah, that was the time that I ran over someone's foot. <laughs> this guy, I don't know if he thought I was an Uber or I don't know what. I was in the left turn lane. So usually you don't get into an Uber when they're in a left turn lane. Because um, <laughs> then you have to cross like at least one other lane to get there. That's just crazy. But I don't know, drunk people. It was three o'clock in the morning. I forgot to lock my doors and I was sitting at a stoplight trying to go home. And someone came up to my door, opened it, started to get in. 
And I said, oh, hell no. And I stepped on the gas. I ran the red light and also ran over his foot, (laughs) which was pretty satisfying. But that was my first instinct was just like, oh, no, mm -mm, you're not getting in here. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, I remember when you told me that story. And that's why I'm kind of surprised that using the car as a potential weapon didn't cross your mind, you know, in that scenario on the street that you had last week. So I just want to put it out there that if you're in a car and people are approaching and they've got bad things on their minds, you can definitely use it in terms of being a safe place to be, but you can also use it as a weapon. Charlotte, is there uh, another incident that would sort of fit that space of being in a situation where you you had to take action to get yourself safe? Well, there is the time that I, after a night out with friends, it was like 1230 on a Friday. Um, and I lived by myself at the time. I took an Uber home from the bar. And when I got out of the car, I got that weird feeling, but didn't know what to attribute it to. And as I was walking down the pathway to get to my front door, I heard the car and my Uber driver drive away. And then as I started opening my door, I heard him reversing so that he could see me opening my front door. So he knew which, which door was mine in this apartment complex. So I immediately went inside, locked all the doors. I have like a portable door stopper alarm. I set that up. I went onto the app and saw that he had not ended my ride and was just sitting outside my apartment, just waiting. And I knew that he had my phone number because he had called me when he picked me up. And I knew that he obviously knew where I lived and he was just sitting there. And he sat there outside my apartment for about 20 minutes during which time I called Uber and I told them what was happening. And then he drove away. He still did not end my ride. I used a Google voice number to text him, you need to end my ride. And he basically drove around my neighborhood for another 20 minutes before coming back and sitting outside my apartment again. And that whole time I was in my apartment by myself I had already texted my friends saying I got home and Uber was being pretty unresponsive. So I just sat there and waited. I think he eventually ended his ride and left. But at that point, he'd been there for about 40 minutes just sitting outside my apartment. And looking back on it now, I I was sober enough to know what was happening And I think if he had gotten out of his car and started coming down the pathway, that's when I would have called the police. But because he just sat there waiting, I think I was more pissed off and annoyed than afraid. But that absolutely changed the way that I approach Ubers after a night out now. I told Katie this story last week, I think. Um, when I was at a bar and ordering an Uber home for me and my friend and some guy offered me a ride and I said, Nope, I've got an Uber. Thanks. And he was insistent. He's like, I have a driver. He can take you. 
I said, nope, I have an Uber. He said, I don't even have to get in the car. I said, no, thank you. I already ordered an Uber. It's here. And I left. And what I told Katie when I shared this story with her was my first thought was, I absolutely do not want him to have my address. I don't care if I have to pay $15 for an Uber when I could have gotten a ride in some fancy car. He would have then had my address. And I think it's because of that initial experience with the Uber driver sitting outside my apartment and waiting that I'm very wary of putting myself in situations like that. Yeah. And can I interject and just say that that had never occurred to me before you had told me that just, you know, like when you're out and I don't know, maybe you're too drunk and someone orders you an Uber. Don't do that. Like, don't give people your address. Like, I just think back to all the people that I've seen in the, you know, in the club that I work at, you know, I've, I end up ordering people Ubers, but you know, I know I'm not going to do anything, but those people are trusting me with their information and they don't know me, you know? So like, I can't even imagine who else they're trusting their information with. And, you know, when people offer to get you an Uber home, I totally forgot that then they would have your address. That's just crazy to me. And I can't believe that that has never, ever occurred to me. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's something most people don't think about because it's a convenience thing. It's, oh, great. I don't have to pay for it. But I mean, I've gone as far at this point as saying, if you're so insistent on paying for my ride home, how about you Venmo me and I'll order the car because I'm very aware of what they can do with that information if I don't want them to have it. That's genius. And like, I don't want to totally freak you out or anything, but the thing that crossed my mind just listening to you both talk about this is like there's no guarantee if somebody says that they're going to call an Uber that they're actually calling an Uber as opposed to arranging with one of their friends to come and get you. And, you know, you can fake being an Uber or you could even be a legit Uber driver, but just not actually be on the clock at that point, but make it look like it. And they could be calling their friend and setting you up via their friend. Absolutely. And I mean, I... Because of that experience that I had, not that I didn't pay attention before, but before getting in any sort of shared ride service, I check the license plate, I check the make and model of the car, I ask for the person's name, um, and I make sure that they say mine. And I also make sure to try to get a glimpse of their phone and where it's taking me so that I know it's legitimate and it's the person that it's supposed to be. One thing that I would add is I was just thinking about this a couple days ago and I don't know why, but it occurred to me, oh, I know I was thinking about like where your everyday carry things are, you know, and like dudes have like the everyday carry, they stick stuff in pockets, right? And women, we generally carry purses. And I was pondering whether or not it made sense to carry one of those little tools that you can use to break out car windows and to slash seatbelts, you know, the little safety tools. I was like, hmm, I wonder yes. if like, I could carry Ooh. that as an everyday carry sort of item in my purse. And just listening to you two talking, I'm like, fuck yes, carry that if you're going to be taking any kind of ride share anywhere. 
because then if you absolutely need to get out, you can break the window, you can cause a commotion, and uh, you can get yourself out. So just want to throw that out there too. Don't know why I was thinking about it, but it seems apropos. Definitely. I When I was sharing the story of the Uber driver waiting outside my apartment, one of my old coworkers told me of a time when she was in college. It was like mid-afternoon on a Sunday and her driver locked the doors and would not let her out of the car and drove past her location and just kept going. I didn't want to pry and ask what happened next, but she was eventually able to unlock the doors and jumped out of the moving vehicle. So ever since she shared that with me, I've actually been thinking about getting one of those tools just to have. Well, your mama happens to have some, so I will have a word with her and have her send one Mm -hmm. to you. So... (laughs) Well, I I just want to say thank you to both of you. I had planned to ask you about, you know, issues that come up in the corporate life and traveling on business. And I wanted to get Katie's take on how you can be safe if you go to bigger events like raves. But I've had you on the line for more than an hour at this point, and we have packed it full with a lot of stuff. So I think what I'd like to do is do a daughter roundtable part two and cover those topics and probably a couple other ones in the future. Would you be up for that? Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, Charlotte and Katie, I want to say thank you so very much for indulging your mother and coming on to make this episode recording today. And I can't wait to do it again and cover some more ground So thank you very much for coming on the Born to be a Badass podcast. It's been so much fun. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you, Mom. Thank you. All right. Well, for our listeners, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the Born to be a Badass podcast. Stay safe and be a badass. You've been listening to the Born to be a Badass podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode and be sure to share it with your friends. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and a review. Tune in regularly for more exciting insights and wisdom on women, violence, and safety. And until next time, embrace your inner badass.